this is William Del Pilar, and I'm with my co-host Eddie Aparicio, and this is Points on the Board. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Let me get some announcements that pay the bills out of the way. First of all, you can check out these podcasts at grumblingsmedia.com. If you want to see these beautiful mugs of ours, head on over to YouTube or Rumble, preferably Rumble if I had my say, and check out the Grumblings Media handle. And you will find this video, other points on the board podcast, clips. You will find our Fired Up podcast, which is our political podcast uh, for conservatives. You'll see our Free For All, which is our libertarian uh, panel show. And there is also our Big Questions with Big John, where he interviews luminaries from across the country, mostly libertarian, but they are luminaries. And the last note is we do have a new podcast on its way, and that is called Red, White, and Rude. <laughs> and I tell you, I do not hold back. As a Latino in the tribal wars who is conservative, it's time we fought back, and you will get that and more. However, that's not points on the board. And I'm here with my you know, Eddie, I was going to go my brown thread, but no, Eddie's a good damn human being I've known for 20 plus years. So I'm not going to make any jokes about him, that blue sweater, sure. Hey, speak. real quick aside, Guillermo, <laughs> speaking of Latinos, man, did you see the Miss Universe uh, contest on Saturday night? No, I'm married now, so those shows I don't even. Hey stop man, I, I watched it with my kid and my daughter and my and my and my wife, <laughs> and, and we watched it and my and my mother-in-law. And let me tell you, man, the Latinos showed up big time. You know, out of the top ten, seven of them were Latinas. No seven way! And I bet you, and I bet you, Venezuela was leading the way. Actually, Venezuela was not even in the top ten. Really? Oh, no. well, you know what? You, they, they've been socialists the last 20, 25 years. I bet you they're beautiful women <laughs> have been. No, but seriously, oh. there was an article once, many uh, about a decade, 15, 20, I read. Because uh, as a kid and as an adult, I'm like, man, Miss Venezuela wins that a lot. And sure enough, they've got like the most amount of, 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 of uh, uh, you know, rank, you know, how many times they made the top five or top ten or whatever, and how right. many times they won it. And I, people, I have visited about 98% of Central and South America and many of the Caribbean islands. And as a Panamanian Puerto Rican, I have no shame in stating this fact. Well, this opinion. Venezuelan women were the most beautiful women I have ever seen. However, I am very Americanized. So I have a more of an American background in terms of women and how they view, because there is very distinct differences. And right. uh, I would say they're the most cosmopolitan, the most Americanized looking women, but they're all beautiful. They are for all sure. beautiful women there, Eddie. For sure, you know? for and, sure. Uh, uh, you yeah, know, Trump I, doesn't own that anymore. You know, I think I, he yeah. said that. Yeah, yeah, it was, was nowhere to be seen there. So, but I just wanted to bring it up because, you know, you're talking about your podcast and as being the Latin person, you, you know, conservative, you want to show out, you know, and, and, and I just wanted to point out to support it that the Latinos and Latinas are making their, their way here in in, in, in in the world now, right? So Miss yeah, Universe, seven out of the 10 were Latinas and they were all smoking, man. So Miss Nicaragua won. So there's good representation from Central America, which is where our, yeah. our parents were both from, right? So El Salvador was uh, top 10 as well as Nicaragua is the one who won it. So standing. The, yeah. Sandini the Sandinistas won. <laughs> I don't know their power. <laughs> They're no guerrilla group from the, from, from the 80s. You know, in Venezuela, right. I was an interpreter 
for a couple of uh, 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 times I was down there. And uh, man, I tell you, man, elites are elites, regardless of what country you are in. But it was a fun experience. I enjoyed my my travels through Central and South America, and, and it helped show me why I was conservative. But that said, let's get to it. Let's get into it, man. Mauricio. Let's do it. Yeah. So and you have your top ten, right? You you have your top ten NFL rankings, right? So that's right, that's I right. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Eddie, Eddie, real quick. We're gonna cover the NFL tonight, NFL rankings, and NFL news, and Eddie's gonna bring us up to date in a longer segment for NBA news. All right, Eddie, I apologize. What was that question? So no, I said, hey, you know, you have probably the most comprehensive rankings out there on the web. Uh, for those of you who are listening, if you haven't seen it. Definitely check it out on grumblings.com. It's amazing, all the, the details that he actually has on the rankings. So uh, he definitely breaks it down and puts some time into it. So I want to, I want you to highlight the top 10 and why they are the top 10. So take it away, William. Why is that? Give me your top 10. Well, look, look, uh, Eddie, not to toot my own horn, but you are absolutely correct. And I'm actually trying to cut it down. And I do have a bit of frustration because I'm trying to find a, a great stats provider where I can sort the stats through the various right. leagues, whether three through four, four through. And I haven't, you know, I, I, when I owned my previous company, one of the premier fantasy football sites in the world, people, uh, we did our own stats, meaning we had our own programs built that where you could sort stats to your heart's desire. And it was all free. Now that type of stats seem to be under paywall. But anyway, so you're right, Eddie, very comprehensive. Uh, right at number one, I had the Philadelphia Eagles. Why? They are nine and one. It doesn't matter if they're getting the refs help. They win. Look, at the end of the day last night against the Kansas City Chiefs, the Chiefs control that game. The Chiefs were the better team. Absolutely. I agree. But the Eagles hung around. They hung yeah. around. And they came out with the win. They did what they needed to win. And the Chiefs look vulnerable. Howard, we'll get to them in a minute. But the Eagles are number one. Eddie, real quick, any issues with the Eagles number one? No, I mean, they had the best record in the NFL. They were in the Super Bowl last year. They have been playing well, not to the greatest of their abilities yet, but they've been playing well enough. Their defense, I think, has taken kind of a hit, uh, you know, uh, compared to last year, where I think their defense pretty much uh, carried most of the most of their games. But right now, you know, they're a pretty well balanced team, probably the most balanced team in the NFL, next to the the Niners, in my opinion, because that's my, my homerism coming out. But anyway, I don't I don't disagree with your your Eagle take being number one. And I think most of uh, the NFL universe would agree with your your take on that. Now, it's not an easy road. They still have to face the Bills, the Niners, the Cowboys, and Seahawks. Hence, their road to home field advantage is not guaranteed despite one sure. loss. Sure. At number two comes Eddie's team, the San Francisco 49, the 49ers. Record 7-3. They beat up on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 27-14. Uh, Look, they just took care of business. You know, I'm not going to say they were on a roll. I'm not going to say they did anything special. Look, they're an elite team playing a mediocre team. Tampa Bay's, uh, uh, what are they, four wins, I think, uh, has come against mediocrity. They, they lose against the big boys. Still learning the play, horrible defense. They did what they had to do. And I kind of like seeing them playing at this high level. It looks like when the Niners are healthy, Eddie, their just natural level of play is at a very high level. However... Absolutely. I am still concerned with Debo and McCaffrey. If either one of those go down, hell, if Kittle goes down or Ayuk, they can't afford to lose their key people, not one of them, or else it really drops them a few notches. Any thoughts? I agree with you. 
I agree with you. And they're a team, you know, I heard an analogy on the radio recently. I thought it was a pretty good analogy. It's like, hey, you know, when you're going to cook like a really good, you know, recipe, a dish, you need all your ingredients to make it taste good. But as soon as you're missing one of the ingredients, it's not oh, going to taste good. Oh, that's right. right. And it's the same thing with the 49ers. They are a well-oiled machine when they're all together. But as soon as one of their major players gets uh, sustains an injury or they're out for a long period of time, there's a big adjustment period. I don't think they run their, they don't know how to run uh, efficiently without one of those key cogs of the team. So I agree with you that if, if they take a hit there, there it's going to be an issue for them. All right, real quick here. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the Niners, uh, 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 let's see though. No, I did not do it. Usually I push who they had to face. I apologize to the audience that did not. They play Seattle that. on Thursday. They play Seattle yeah. again. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, down the game. road. Down the road, down the road. Uh, oh, down uh, the road. Games. Okay. Uh, it's playoff picture time. Yeah, you know, so they, they play Seattle, game. Eagles, Seattle in the next three games. There you so go. And yep. so those are losable games. And what I'm saying For is sure. their road is not guaranteed either. The Chiefs, real quick, this is what you can say about the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes still has it. The receivers don't. 26 right. drops this season. A game winner dropped last night. And they could have kept the final drive alive on the fourth down play. But another drop. Travis Kelsey at 34. He looks 34. The last the last four to six weeks, he has looked his age. No shocker if he retires after the season. And my it could take be on the Taylor Chiefs, Swift effect. You never know. It could yeah. be the Taylor Swift effect, man. You know, it he's be. It like be. you know, going all over the world with her these days, and then comes back to practice, and he's he's just worn out, man, because he's probably going all over the world traveling with her. And of course, you know. Girlfriend and boyfriend things, right? You never know. Exactly, exactly. They, <laughs> right? But they're they're seven and three now, yep. and no lock on home field advantage. You're gonna have to battle for that. They're they're still ahead. They're tied with four other teams. I mean, them and four other them are four teams tied at, at, with the, with three losses. So yep. this is still anybody's game. However, uh, they are still number three because they can beat any team any given week, and they and they should have beaten the best team in the league last night. Number four. The Baltimore Ravens with a big win against the Bengals, 34 to 20. Look, the Ravens, as I've said all along, uh, have been playing uh, and learning a new offense, learning his chem or gaining chemistry with his receivers. And now for the bad side. This is the first week I can tell you, Eddie, I see a little bit of negativity. Lamar Jackson with an ankle injury. What people don't realize in sports, you know, us world-class athletes man world-class in our head <laughs> but uh, uh you're playing at such a high level uh, uh and you get nicked up every week it doesn't matter how elite you are that catches up to you that affects uh everything from how you read the field to whether you're gonna run or not because it's a natural inclination after you get hit a bunch of times uh for example for receivers they get hit over the middle uh, a, a few times that's you know it's like alligator arms you know right uh so quarterbacks are no different they get happy feet sometimes they're quicker to run because they're scared they're gonna get sacked so lamar jackson's entering that phase of the season got nicked up with the ankle made a few mistakes the big loss is tied in mark andrews uh tore up his ankle just had surgery uh odds are he's gone for the season uh but jim harbaugh or john harbaugh says that he could come back for the playoffs and that's great. That's great news for them that they can keep tight, but he needs a heel. He's not the youngest guy anymore. Uh, so that's my yeah. top four right now, Eddie. And at number five, the Detroit Lions. 
Eight and yep. two. Beat up on the Chicago. They didn't beat up. They hung on. They had to come back to beat the Chicago Bears 31 to 26. Here's what that game showed me, people. First of all, Jared Goff, quarterback, formerly of the Rams, Super Bowl loser, uh, when the Rams were the first time, thrown under the bus, traded to uh, the Detroit Lions. Goff was actually a little bit behind the power curve, and the team gave up on him. As we see where the Rams are now, they're a useless excuse for an NFL team because they, they, they put all their money on the Super Bowl year, and Matthew Stafford, they won. But they dumped Goff. So right. the Lions for the last few years have had have have literally been building up a young quarterback. And this game is one of the uh, goals. He put the team on his back and carried them. You know, came back two touchdowns down. Now, he has to show he can do this regularly. Goff is an under-the-radar quarterback who, if the Lions go deep this year, he has good showing. He will be well-known come next year. Uh, their defense needs help. They're struggling. You know, they're struggling at times. Uh, but I think they are very deserving of the number five spot. Quick comment there, Eddie, before we – I'm going to start speeding it up here for six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But I want to hear what you have to say. No, I was going to say that, uh, you know, I, I agree with your top two. There could be an argument that probably Buff, uh, Baltimore should be ahead of Kansas City. But I think the reason why you put Kansas City number three is because you probably thought that they could have beat Philadelphia and should have beat Philadelphia, so they deserve to be in the top three. So, um, yeah, so no. I, I agree with your rankings in the top three. I'm just saying that there are some that might uh, disagree and say that that Baltimore, because they have the better record, you should be above you know, them. So, you're right in that sense. I'm not going to argue that, but what was the final tilt for me? Mark Andrews is gone. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah you're yeah, looking at right. not not necessarily now, but like you were kind of like projecting. It's a right? combination. It's a combination yep. of now and later. That's why I look at the schedules with some of these teams. Yep. Uh, this is a power ranking, but uh, that's the only reason. Those are two equal teams in, in, in my thought process. But I put more money on Kansas City every time. Uh, number six. All right. Let me repeat one through five. Number one, the Eagles. Number two. The Niners, number three, the Chiefs, numero cuatro, the Ravens, and numero cinco, the Lions. At number six, Leone. And number six, the Dallas Cowboys. Look, they beat up the Panthers. They went in, they took care of business, they did what they had to do. This is what the Cowboys do beat up on mediocre or crappy teams. They did what they were supposed to, so they were not punished, but they weren't rewarded either. Eddie, come. Real for a quick question about the Cowboys. Do you, as Spanish, do you guys use vaquero or do you use gaucho? Because... Uh, vaquero. Vaquero. Okay. Okay. No, no, but, but, but you got to understand, I'm a city boy. I hung out every summer in the country, but in Panama, it was a jungle. You know? Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> and my family was not rich enough to have a finca. A finca is a ranch. Oh. And, uh, uh, but we had horses, so I knew how to ride horses. Uh, and my point being is, it's one of those words that I never really heard used. Yep. Yep. You know, you know, it's, it's, but I want to say vaquero because we call it, we call it finca. And so, for some reason, vaquero wants to, I think vaquero and finca, you know, like, uh, like rice and beans. Right, right, right. right. For those of you who know what we're talking about, we're talking about cowboy, what a cowboy is in Spanish. Is it a vaquero or a gaucho? Because you can hear both and they're both interchangeable depending on where you're from. So, uh, as far as, you know, the Latin American country you're from. So, anyway, so your your, your question to me. Hold on, hold on, hold on. See, I got me going, Eddie. The word woman is also like gaucho. Uh, and, and vaquero, it's the same thing, cowboy. Now, woman 
I could say mujer in one country, mujer in another country, and I get slapped in one country because mujer is seen as a lady of the night. You know, oh, prostitute. Oh, or in hello. other countries, mujer hello. is just woman. All right. All right. This is a Spanish lesson from two Latinos. Yeah. But anyway, so your take, your, your question to me about the Cowboys or los vaqueros. So you know they're they're a dangerous team though. You know I you know you're right. They haven't necessarily shown up against some of the real good teams yet. But they're a dangerous team. If they have their act together, they can pretty much beat anybody. They have a very good defense, and uh, you know their defense I think is the strength of that team. Their offense is you know somewhat basic, but you know they you know Dak Prescott at times can have really really good games. And they have, you know, a, a good uh, wide receiver in CeeDee Lamb. They have a very good tight end as well. So, you know, I, I would say that, you know, Tony Pollard is the one X factor on that team. They don't really, really utilize the skill set of that of that guy. He's more of a receiving back. And they're trying to make him into, I don't know what they're using, how they're utilizing Tony Pollard. But if they utilize Tony Pollard in the way that he's meant to be used, that team could be more dangerous. But for whatever reason, they're not using him as much as they should. Eddie, uh, to the audience, that's analysis. Me, I'm a simplistic guy. Look, look back at all their records. Look back at the games. Look back at the gambling odds. And when it comes to the big games, they crumble more often than win. And that's the problem with the Cowboys. Most of the time against the elite teams, they crumble. That's why they've had so many first-round exits in the playoffs. And it's, 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 it's one of those jinxes or dilemmas because that's in the head. Because yeah. they are talented enough to beat up on the Eagles, the Niners, uh, or any other team. But sure. the Cowboys have not been mentally tough since Barry Switzer was the last head coach. And Barry Switzer inherited Jimmy Johnson's team. But nobody can sit there and say Barry Switzer was not a hard ass. You know? So, so some, and my point to the audience is when you're at that level, well, hell, at any level, that's the difference between a winner and a runner up is that confidence and that that righteous anger that you feel this is yours and you're deserving. And I've seen that. And the reason I believe that is I've seen it. I had it one time, you know, took a championship in the county at high school level. And, uh, and, and but, but it's rare. It's, it's not as easy to happen. So it takes a special coach at times. They got too much talent. They're squandering it. And the Cowboys are likely not going to go far this year because of that. Number eight, the Cleveland Browns. They are a heck of a jekyll team. Look, they're number eight. I actually dropped them a slot, and it's because Deshaun Watson's gone for. Well, what about number seven, though? What about number seven? Oh, I'm sorry, people. Did I skip number seven? Yeah, you went to six to eight. So go to it's it's number seven, then number eight. I wanted to get as far away as from those gauchos as I could. (laughs) Those gauchos, those animals, yeah. (laughs) Number seven, the Miami Dolphins, seven and three. They beat up the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, uh, 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 I'm thinking the Cowboys. I was getting ready to make a Tony Pollard comment. I'm like, whoa, whoa, we left that team. (laughs) Look, the Miami Dolphins still haven't beaten a team over 500. They were, they were, they had a winning record entering the season, entering this week. uh, The the Raiders did, you know. Uh, Look, uh, good night statistically for for Tua. Uh, I still think they need to get more of the running game going and. They're a team that can be dominant. But here's the problem with a team like that. They're gassing their own defense out. One reason the average fan doesn't know what beat, why the Bills lost their four straight Super Bowls, by the time they reach the Super Bowl, 
they had played like three extra games year one. Then they made it again. So a couple of times they made it as wild cards. So think about it. The Bills had the least rest time off season than any other NFL team for four years. Then you combine the speed of that high-powered offense, and by the end of the season, the defense was gassed. So come Super Bowl, they were facing the superiorly uh, 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 more in, still in-shape teams. That's what we're seeing with the Dolphins, too, is they gassed themselves. Uh, uh, and you don't always see it. But people, you can never forget those rough days. Uh, uh, it's one thing to think you can handle, uh, you know, 105 degree heat uh, for an hour and a half, you know, working out or doing an exercise and then actually do it. And that's what these young bucks, and that's why I say buck in a, in a complimentary sense, because they're at the top of their game, you know, and they can handle it, but it still takes an effect on them, Eddie. And I think we, we're going to start seeing that as well as, you know, Tua's play. I think teams are going to catch up to him because he doesn't have a strong arm. And what I mean by that, he doesn't really make the bullet throw a lot. And his right. passes are rainbows. And I wonder how that can hang with some of the better defenses in the playoffs. So I talked a little bit too much on the Dolphins, and I apologize. But what are your thoughts on there? And, and what is arguably uh, 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 probably the most rooted for NFL team by Latinos. Interesting, yeah. Uh, it's probably because of Miami, you know, the a lot of a lot of uh, uh, Puerto Ricanos and Cubanos out there. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of Latinos in Miami, right? South Beach is uh, probably the the, the, the the best destination for a lot of pro athletes, and the reason being is like we saw in Miss America, Latinas are beautiful. <laughs> they are, right? There's a star. It's just number one out of all the women in the world. Latinos are number one, and they're all over the place in South Beach. So. Yes, understandable. Yes, I can understand why they're the most popular amongst the Latinos and Latinas. But anyway, with respect to the Dolphins, I think that's a good take. I think that because they have the tendency to score so fast that they gas their defense. I, I agree with that. The other thing is that I agree with you also that their, 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 their running game, you know, they have the talent to be good at that. I mean, they have, you know, Devin, Devon, Shane, who just got hurt, unfortunately. Again, he just came out by IR, and he just got hurt on the same knee. It doesn't look to be serious, but, on the, you know, he only got, like, one or two carries, and he got hurt. And, you know, him and Raheem Mostert, those two are, are a lethal, speedy running back combination. So they have the talent to be good at the running game. They just need to go ahead and figure that out because they can't just be throwing, you know, 10 to 11 balls of Tyreek Hill every game. And because they score so fast, you're right. It's going to gas their defense. And their defense isn't really that bad. It's just that you're right. They, they, they get gassed. So, yeah, so they have to figure out a game plan so that they don't necessarily wear, wear out their defense and get a running game going so that they could, you know, give their defense a rest and, and keep them, you know, keep them in games against some of the better teams. All right. So being that ain't no retentive fantasy, or I'm sorry, football analyst, which made me a great fantasy sports champion, uh, a little hope for the uh, 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 to counter what you said, because that's what I, I, I you're, you're correct. But the West Coast offense, they run a very quasi quasi, but they run one of those offenses where short pass, dink dunk, long pass, you know. One of those, those, uh, a, West, a quasi West Coast is what I would say, whether it is or not, it's spirit. And that said, what that means in my long-winded way is that the running back does not get handed the ball off, but there's screens, there's little short dump-off passes. I, I can't remember, it's a manner play, the full-back circle. Full, you know, it's kind of like, it's like the West Coast, you know, receivers take off his pattern. Uh, 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 well, maybe not the full-back circle, because the West Coast likes to have the uh, receivers running in stride as the ball is thrown. So this past week, 
eight reception for 52 yards, one touchdown on 10 targets. The running back core saw. So look at that as eight more rush attempts. And uh, 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 so, and, and that's not bad at all. Uh, I should have wrote the number down how many they had, but you get my point. So there's hope. I just, I think they're one year too early. I think they're one year away from being that team that, that the Eagles were at the second half last season and entering the season this year. You know, I think they could be that. All right. Number eight. Who's number eight, Eddie? Cleveland Browns. That's right. That's right. I didn't know if you remember to go skip with Miami. All right. They beat up on the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are pathetic. <laughs> I mean, it's just God bless their six and three record entering this week, the Steelers. And we're not going to talk about it. It's all heart, man. It's all heart. Yeah. I mean, because that heart. team statistically that they team is horrific. All right. Let's they get back ugly. to the Browns. <laughs> uh, look, yep. the Browns. Uh, I just I dropped them one slot because I just haven't seen enough that as the game's tightened up with better teams and the playoffs roll around, bad weather, et cetera, that their quarterback can handle it. I think it's and that that defense is nowhere near what the Ravens were in two thousand in the two thousand one Super Bowl. They were one of the most dominant defenses and they carried they didn't carry the offense, but at times they had to carry the offense, meaning the Trent Guilford goes south and, and on a side note, Lewis, Ray Lewis and Trent Guilford are great friends, great respect. And mm -hmm. he always said about Trent Guilford, when people criticize him, look. Trent had his job to do, and he knew how to do it and did it well. But y'all wanted to sit there and see 30 touchdowns, you know. So good for him. Uh, but they don't have that type of defense. So uh, instead, uh, remember the 30-30 some odd type games? They've had some high-scoring games. And I'm really concerned that's, that inconsistency is going to come uh, uh, and bite him on the butt. And I was reminded. I, I wasn't reminded. I reminded myself. Look, people, offenses and, and the rules, they all benefit offense. Defenses have been curtailed. So I, I'm realizing it, it is a little unfair to compare these defenses to the truly great defenses from 2004, going to back to the Steel Curtain and then the Ray Lewis's uh, 2001 Super Bowl winning team. Uh, these defenses today are screwed over by the rules. But that said, because of that, I don't, I think they could, uh, if any game of 13 10 there, they can lose any game. They can beat any elite team, but they can also lose to any team. That's what that's what scares me about the Browns. Yeah, I mean, you got to give them credit, though. I mean, they have stuck around. I mean, they have an elite defense. That's one yes. thing that we know about them. And they sustained, you know, an injury to their best, arguably one of the best running backs in the, in the NFL, probably the top four easily, no problem. And they lost them in the, in the first game. So, you know, and then they and now they lose Deshaun Watson, you know, for the season. You know, he's on IR now, and they've been kind of going through multiple quarterbacks. So, P.J. Walker and now D Dorian uh, Thompson, uh, the guy from uh, from UCLA. So, you got to give it to them. I mean, they're they're sticking around, and, and you know, to have them in the top 10, I think, is actually pretty uh, – I mean, it's, it's telling about their abilities as a team, especially if they're fully loaded. You know, they're, they're one of the teams that scare me long term, for sure. Well, they find ways to win. Yes. I, you know, they have, you know, uh, I don't know how good a coach uh, 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 Stefanski is as a coach, but as a leader, he's got those guys playing at an incredibly high level. It's kind of like his leadership is doing a much better job to keep his team in it than his coaching is, you know, yeah. uh, uh, and his defense, like I said, at that injury. But at the end of the day, look, 
nobody can sit there and say they saw the Deshaun Watson uh, at his peak with the Houston Texans in the Browns uniform because we've seen nothing but a, an old journeyman-looking veteran retread when he started. So the quarterback problem is uh, there's that mentality. They knew that was going to be an issue. And that defense, instead of complaining and whining, boy, that Miles Garrett is leading them. All right. Numero nueve. Hey, Houston. We have the Texans. <laughs> the Houston wow. Texans at number nine. Wow. Yes. That's impressive. Well, it's, well, you know why. I have it's a number 10 Jaguars. And they beat in the Jaguars. You know, yep. they beat in some serious. I wish I had their schedule. They beat in some serious teams. And then you look to who they lose to, and you go, what? <laughs> you know, because they lose to one of the, the, the bottom tier teams. You know, look, the Houston Texans, I think the film work is going to start catching up to them. Uh, and uh, the last five games, five interceptions, first five games, no interceptions. It's a little skewed. He threw three, but uh, and Jonathan Gannon teaches the tough. And he's got the right mentality with that Cardinals uh, 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 defense. And and let me say this. I read this on NFL.com or Sports Illustrated or some blog. uh, 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 But they said it best. Look, man, we're not talking about the Cardinals, but I have to say this. The Cardinals may be, what, 2-9, and I think. But they're like the hardest playing 2-9 and team I've ever seen in my life. For sure. So a little little love to that. But, But... but but the bright spot with the Texans, even though, like I said, the Fillmore's coming in, they're going to catch up to him. He's going to be making more mistakes. I think the eliteness, the wear and tear of the season will wear this team down. Now, Andy, when I talk, it sounds like I'm throwing them under the bus, but I got them right number nine. When I talk, I'm talking long-term as the season goes on. That's what I see happening. But right now, they're, they're number nine and well-deserved. I mean, Stroud, he went 27-37 for 336 yards. And two touchdowns, but the three interceptions. They beat an Arizona Cardinals team who they were lucky it was the Arizona Cardinals. But that said, they're six and four and winning some big games. So kudos to them. Yeah, so they've beaten the Bengals. They've beaten the the Steelers. They've beaten the uh, Saints. And they've beaten the Jaguars. So, yeah, I mean, those are respectable wins. Those are all teams that are supposed to be better than them. And they beat them. Oh, and and their schedule. It's, it's it's for a young team like this. Every game's uh, an adventure, but they have to face the Browns still. Uh, 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 then the Broncos, uh, the Jets' defense, low scoring maybe, uh, 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 and the Colts are those are all winnable games. But in they're Miami, not a they given. play Miami towards the end of the season yeah. too. And those are winnable games, but they're not a given. So they're going to be fun to watch. I just think the wear and tear reality, uh, young minds not ready for for the big time. And I'm not talking about the lack of maturity. I'm just talking about you got a rookie quarterback there facing whatever defense down the road that's going to be led by veterans. So I think that's yep. what's going to catch up to them. All right. Actually, and then they, pretend. They already played Miami. So sorry. I, I, I misspoke on that. So anyway, good. I didn't want to make a fellow Latino look bad, so I let it go. <laughs> no worries, no worries. I was looking at the wrong. I looked at the past schedule. So good. There you go. All right, number ten. Let's close it out with the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know they have a better record than the Houston Texans. Actually, uh, I think overall they're a better team. They just don't have that. If they had the Browns mentality, they could be. They'd be better than seven and three. You know, if they had the Eagles mentality, they'd be better than seven and three. But the Jaguars lack that. And, I, you know, when I see uh, Trevor Lawrence's demeanor, I don't get a frat boy mentality. I don't get a party animal and adventure. I get that quiet guy, you know, that shy guy. What I'm saying is I don't see much leadership. I'm on the outside looking at people. 
But everything I've read, and I look for this type of info, I don't really hear much about there's no big-time leadership. And uh, I viewed the, the head coach more as a mentor. And, and God bless him, too. He's won a Super Bowl before getting before the Eagles fired him, you know? Uh, 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 Peterson. Uh, Peterson, yep. Doug Peterson, yep. Yeah, Doug Peterson. Uh, but I don't. I see more of a fatherly mentality out of him. I think they're lacking that get in your face. We're gonna do it. We gotta do this. You don't. You know that guy when you're like, there's always, there's always that one person I can't go anymore. And there's always that guy that doesn't pick him up, but gets in his face and through that sheer anger and will, uh, 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 convinces him you gotta get up and I'm not gonna help you. That's what they're lacking. And, and that's long-winded, but that's that's what a lot of these great teams are lacking. It's not as easy to create that culture. But I tell you, 2001 Ravens, who I mentioned earlier, did they have that culture? Oh, man. You did not want to see Ray Lewis barreling yeah, down. It was, it was the defense that carried that team, for sure. Their offense was just there to manage the game, and their exactly. defense carried them. So, yeah. But, you know, winning's a process, though, Guillermo. You know, uh, the, the, the Jaguars essentially, you know, are a team to, to look out for in the future. They definitely have talent on that team. They just need to learn how to win. And they're learning that this year. They're not, you know, there's very rare cases where a team just comes out of nowhere in the NFL and just goes from being like a mediocre team to being a very strong team from one season to the next. It's very rare. You know, you don't see what you're seeing in baseball. Like in two years, you know, you go from a team that's, you know, uh, 100 losses to 100 wins in two seasons, right? It's it's rare that you right. see that in football where a team is up. And so teams like the Jaguars are learning to win. And, oh, you know, no, the I get that. In time. They're, they're, they're I know. In time. So hold it, on, hold on. Eddie, if I'm correct, I think this kid was drafted in 2019, right around there, uh, Trevor <clears> Lawrence. <throat> I mean, he's not, a, he's been around a few years. So they're young, and that's season. my point. My point yeah. is, is I'm looking in the future. I'm looking who's going to be that person. So we'll see how far they get this year. Then we'll see who they bring in in the offseason in terms of leadership. That's what you're talking about, the growth. So, yeah, yep. but I'm telling y'all right now, that's what they're. That's what I see lacking in them. I guess the easiest way to say that would be they don't know how to put their foot on the neck and take their opponent out mentality <laughs> yet. Yeah. yeah. And there you have yeah. it, people, the top ten. Look, I've got the full 32 teams ranked, and you can find that on grumblingsmedia.com under Del Pilar's diatribe. Or, you know, that's the Americanized way of saying that, Eddie, Del Pilar. That's how I'm saying it. So people <laughs> Del Pilar. Yeah. So, but it was harder for me to say Del Pilar than me saying Del Pilar. It's kind of funny. I never really, I mean, I, I speak English more than I speak Spanish, and yet saying my last name I say it easier when I say it with the Spanish accent versus I feel like I'm forcing it and not saying properly. No, I hear it. it's the same thing with me. My last name, you know, it's, it's Aparicio is how you're supposed to really say it. But, you know, in the American way, I have to say Aparicio, right? It's a little. Oh, yeah, easier. yeah. Same right? thing. Same it's thing. Aparicio you're supposed to say it. But I don't say it. Only with my family members do I say it. But other than that, it's, it's Aparicio. So. <laughs> hey, guys, we're at 35 minutes. Uh, a lot of football news, but I want to get to Eddie's NBA. If we have any time, we'll hit football. Uh, we have the holiday season. These stories are going to carry over. Uh, uh, nothing. Actually, a couple major stories, but we'll talk about that after this. In the meantime, I want to hear about Draymond Green's suspension. I didn't look. I, I've been so wrapped up with this new venture, Eddie, and they're doing this article and and and, and other. And we just did our first entertainment podcast. 
I almost missed this story because I was so out of it. You, you got to <laughs> fill me in. Well, I mean, I mean, when I saw it, I'm like, it's about time somebody throws him in jail, you know, suspensive. <laughs> so, hey, did you did you see why it happened and how it happened? Did you hear about what happened? I just, I just, I just glanced at the headlines because I was working. And okay. Let me put this right. I knew something was up, but I and it probably had to do with fighting was my thought, but I didn't know. I mean, his suspension was probably because of fighting or something to that effect. Biden, yeah, Biden. <laughs> there's two sides to this story, but the bottom line, just to paint the picture for the audience, uh, I'm sure the audience has already known in the past week uh, that Draymond Green got suspended for five games for for getting into an altercation with Rudy Gobert of the Minnesota Timberwolves. You know, the, the, the Warriors had lost just a couple games before on a back-to-back -back with the Minnesota Timberwolves, and Minnesota actually dealt them, you know, a pretty big loss uh, in the game before. And there was a lot of chatter going on and, you know, on, you know, Instagram, you know, and, you know, even in that last game, Anthony Edwards was kind of talking to Draymond. Draymond was talking to Anthony Edwards. And then, you know, Rudy Gobert and, and, and Draymond have a, a little bit of history of kind of, a, a, a dis, you know, discussing, you know, them about, you know, uh, uh, having some issues with, you know, teammates, you know, uh, Rudy Gobert had had some a fight in the past with one of his teammates. And then, you know, Rudy Gobert was kind of doing the same things, calling out Draymond about the whole Jordan Poole thing. So it was kind of, it was brewing already. So what happened was there was an altercation that happened between Jalen McDaniels and uh, Clay Thompson. And what happened is they got tangled up and they were getting an entanglement. And, and then Rudy Gobert jumped in and didn't necessarily go after to try and stop his teammate. He actually went to go ahead and, and start <laughs> his arms around Clay Thompson. And that's when Draymond reacted. Draymond jumped up, jumped up. He actually jumped up to reach the seven foot, you know, uh, Rudy Gobert's neck and got him in a, in a neck, in a, in a, in a headlock. And uh, he held it there for a few, uh, for a few seconds. And, uh, you know, of course it looked really, really bad, you know, because you see Rudy Gobert kind of like flailing, like he was, you know, like choking out, but, you know, Draymond Green was not doing a chokehold. You know, I mean, I know how to do the chokehold. I did martial arts. He wasn't doing it. He was just doing it to sustain them. So, but anyway, so because of Draymond Green's past history, you know, it, Joe Dumars, who's a former bad boy, the Detroit Pistons. You know, he's oh, now yeah. The, yeah, he's yeah, now yeah. dealing all the all of the fines in the uh, NBA, and and so he he definitely gave out a pretty pretty hefty fine uh, of suspension to Draymond Green in five games. And there's been a lot of talk. You know, multiple uh, teams, you know, even the, the teammates of Draymond were saying like, hey, look, we're supporting Draymond. They have to say that. This is their teammate, right? But they're like, if we're going to go to war, you know, Draymond's our guy because he has everybody's back. And he was protecting Clay Thompson, you know, and, and, and Rudy Gobert shouldn't have to go gone after Clay Thompson. And what made everybody pissed off even after the fact is that Draymond Green got suspended. Jalen McDaniels got suspended. And then you got Clay Thompson who got, you know, he got ejected. And then, but Rudy Gobert didn't get ejected. He stayed in the game and shot free throws. And he's the one who initiated the instigation with Clay Thompson. So there's a lot of situ there's a lot of stuff going on in this game. But the bottom line here is that the NBA sent a message to Draymond Green that you know a lot a lot of this this is five five game uh, suspension. I think is really toward uh, aimed at his his past you know uh, uh, misdemeanors, right? Because he's he's known to be this type of player that. Gets a lot of technicals, gets a lot of ejections, and I think Joe Dumars is trying to send a message that we're not going to tolerate this any further. You get a better act up, or we're going to give you even more suspensions and fines. So, you know, but the other angle, teammates are supporting, of course, the, the, the Warriors are supporting, but then other teammates, 
you know, other, other, uh, 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 other teams, you know, actually on the podcast, Paul George's podcast, he had uh, interviewed uh, Draymond Green and, and actually they were saying that Rudy Gobert or any teammate is involved in an altercation. They should not go after the other team, you know, uh, uh, teammate like they, like he did with Clay Thompson. They should go after their own team to, you know, to hold it and, and, and hold it from escalating. So that's what he brought up, that that was his position. And it's interesting that there's a lot of NBA players who also share in that sentiment that, you know, I don't think Rudy Gobert is a, a very popular player in the NBA because there's multiple multiple people that pointed out some things about him. You know, so so I think that this, this has been brewing, you know, over a period of time. But in my opinion, Draymond Green, yeah, he should have got suspended. But I don't think he should have got suspended five games. It was it was pre, that was a pretty severe penalty for for sticking up for another teammate. So that's what happened. Actually, he should have gotten suspended more. I think these five game suspensions in a season with what, how many games? One hundred and forty or eighty eighty two. There's 82. 82. Yeah, yeah, okay. Five five games is a lot in an 82-game season. Yeah. Uh, but it's an appropriate one. Look, you are absolutely correct. Uh, here's the problem. It's like I was arguing with somebody about Hamas and Israel. We're not going to get into it. But I said, well, look, from a PR standpoint, here's the problem. Hamas is the one who's doing all the killing. doesn't matter what the story is. So the world sees that. Draymond Green's the one who's always been violent. And that's what the NBA world has seen. So he may have been not, uh, he, he wasn't fully at fault here. It was, you know, multiple people, but nobody cares is what the problem is. So you're absolutely correct. They are paying for that suffrage uh, or they are suffering now uh, because of this past misdeeds. But this is good because you know what? Uh, 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 I, I just don't agree with his antics. And I, I, that's all the basketball is about, you know? And uh, so I, I think it's, it was due. It was coming. I'm okay with this. You know, uh, I'm okay with him getting suspended too. He should have gotten suspended, but I don't know. Five games is, is a little severe. I, I would think probably like two games would probably would probably been appropriate. But I think a lot of people are pointing to the fact that it's five games because of what happened in the past. Of course, the most recent one being Jordan Poole and him getting an altercation last year before even the season started. So well, this is Eddie. this is what. <laughs> People can say uh, they can make it sound as a question or as a theory. No, that is why he got suspended five games was for all those transgressions. There's no question about that, uh, or else he wouldn't have gotten suspended that many games. It's as simple as that. So, and that's my point. He needs to learn from this. I thought it was appropriate because it makes him think not just this one incident, but all his incidents. You know, and look, uh, uh, part of life is maturing. There's various lessons to learn. Maybe this is how he learns. Who knows? Who cares? In a sense, it's not our business, but I hope he can grow from this and become a better person, you know, uh, uh, because he's seen as a, 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 a thug. Uh, and who knows? He could be the greatest guy. So that's what I hope for. I always hope somebody can better themselves and grow from it. But we'll see. We'll see. Yep. All yep. right. Talk to me about... God, I love talking about this guy. Woo! Yeah, this is one of the few times where a player I don't agree with how he does business, uh, completely opposite. Uh, 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 I don't root for him to lose, but I'm like, I told you so. You know? And that's James Harden and the Clippers, my I friend. I knew exactly what you were talking about by the way you were describing and setting this thing up, because I know you have a lot, a strong disdain for that guy. Yes, James Harden. So what do you want to know about James Harden, Guillermo? First, real quick, I have this thing for how he treats other people is, is my sustain, but I hope he can also change and learn from it. Uh, you know, uh, 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 Eddie just, I mean, we know he finally got his wish, got shipped out of Philadelphia. 
and I remember some of the early reports, early games were like, uh, wait, wait, you got to give them time, got to let it mesh, you know, got to figure out. There were like two or three articles. So, so that was a PR uh, spin by somebody, either Harding or the team's uh, PR uh, uh, people. Uh, but how has it gone since then? It's been a little while now, hasn't it? Yeah, so so they have played seven games together already. Um, and the first game that he joined was in New York, um, and they lost that game. And then they they subsequently lost the next four games. So they lost five games <laughs> in total with James Harden on that team. And, you know, this is kind of, I would say, expected. Not I would say a five-game losing a streak is expected, but an adjustment period is expected, especially when you have the very ball-dominant James Harden to pair along with a very ball-dominant Paul George, as well as a very ball-dominant Russell Westbrook, right? So they have to figure out how to – work together right and there's a process to get there when one practice isn't enough to get this this team flowing like like they should so they definitely made an adjustment after these losses you know um teron lu uh saw that he couldn't necessarily put some of these team uh, these players together playing together so what he, he the adjustment that he made is that he talked to Russell westbrook about bringing west russell westbrook off of the bench so now he's coming off the bench james harden is starting and that seems to have worked because now they have won the last two games and James Harden is playing kind of like the way he had played at Houston um, as well. As so he's actually becoming more of a threat offensively and dishing like he he has been when he was at Houston in Brooklyn. Um, so, so it's, it, you know, I'm sure it, it, was a, it was a blow to Russell Westbrook's ego that he's now coming off the bench, but it's not the first time he's coming off the bench. So I think, you know, that uh, it's, it's, it's a big thing for him to, to, to accept that role now. So I, I see them, flowing a little bit better now. Kawhi Leonard also was kind of going through an adjustment. He wasn't playing the same, and it happens. You know, when anytime a superstar player comes to another team that has superstars, it happened with Kevin Durant when he came to the Warriors. You know, Steph Curry, had he took a, you know, a step back and kind of let him kind of blend in with the team, and Steph Curry's numbers took a hit. The same thing kind of was happening with Kawhi Leonard. He was kind of trying to get James Harden to fit in with the team, so he was kind of – his numbers weren't necessarily back to where he was, but – now he is kind of getting there. So I think, you know, in time, this 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 James Harden uh, trade could bode well long-term for, for the Clippers, at least on the offensive side. But defensively is where I think is going to be the issue for James Harden because historically he hasn't been known as a very good defensive player. He has a capability to do it, but defense is all about attitude. You want to have – you want to do this defense thing. And that's – I don't think he wants to do it because it actually exerts a lot of energy, Right. I mean, Russell Westbrook, believe it or not, when he came to the NBA, he was more known as a defensive player at a UCLA than he was as an offensive player. He has the capability to do it, but he decided to go ahead and put all his energy more on the offensive end and not on the defensive end. So it's it comes with the, there's there's a certain attitude you have to have to be a good defensive player. And I think what's, what's what what the Clippers are doing is I think they're scheming, you know, uh, uh, kind of hiding James Harden so he doesn't have to defend the best player, and they have two really good defenders on that team and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, much like the Warriors did with uh, Stephen Curry, who wasn't necessarily known as a very good defensive player, they schemed, kind of hide him a little bit so they doesn't have to defend the best players. The same thing is kind of going to have to happen with uh, with James Harden. But James Harden, in order for him, for this team to be very, very good, he's going to have to step up his defensive play and not just focus on offense. So that's, that's my call. You know what? Uh, that's high praise comparing – Today's James Harden to the Houston James Harden. 
<laughs> he was a much better player back then. Uh, you know, I was going to say seven games is uh, there's not enough game for me to, to, to make a judgment either way. Uh, I, you know, to me, the real data is going to be after about a month. You're going to really see what you got, uh, or at least the beginnings of what, what they're going to try to use. All right. Well, good luck to Mr. James Hodden. All right. <laughs> Talk to me about Oklahoma City and how they are more up and coming. And that's where Chet from Gazanga is at, right? Correct. Correct. So I don't know if you remember my preseason rankings when we actually first, the first podcast that we did this year, you know, I, I ranked all the teams, you know, in the, in the Eastern and Western conferences and I ranked them from one to eight. And then I yeah. kind of put some teams that were on the outside looking in as teams that to look out for. And the two teams that I had in the West to look out for were OKC and Houston Rockets. Okay. OKC right now is 10 and four in the Western conference. And that places them currently at number two, tied with the Denver Nuggets as the, as a, as the second best team in the West. The best team right now is the Minnesota, Minnesota Timberwolves. Right now, they're in first place at 10 and three. So in Minnesota was a team that I actually ranked at number eight in the preseason, you know, and I, and, and I knew that they were going to be an up and coming team, but I didn't see this coming where they were going to be this good. But Oklahoma City Thunder are right now the, the most dangerous team in the NBA because wow. they are just loaded, loaded with young talent. You know, they have Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's considered probably one of the better two-way players in the NBA. Two-way meaning offense and defense being elite at both, which is something that Giannis Antetokounmpo is elite at on both ends. Kawhi Leonard is probably another one you think about, and, and Paul George. They're also in that same uh, uh, the same realm. So so um, um, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is, is an outstanding player. He's, he was the number eight ranked player on the ESPN Top 100 uh, this year. It was one I didn't agree with, but you know I understand why they put him there. But he is a superstar. He is definitely a superstar. He's going to be an all-star for sure this year. He was one last year. Then you, you pair him up with now a Chet Holmgren, who's this great, you know, you pointed him out already from Gonzaga. He got hurt last year, and this is really his rookie season. And I would say he's definitely the top candidate, in my opinion, as being the rookie of the year. Wemben Yama is going to get all the fanfare, and deservedly so, because he's one of these transcendent players who just has this skill set like a guard at the seventh four frame. Chet Holmgren is very similar. He's like seven one seven two frame has a similar skill set, and that team is just dominant right now. You have Josh Giddy, who is their their point guard. Their point guard is six eight. Okay, so you have six eight point guard. You have a six six uh, shooting guard, Shea Gildas Alexander. You have a seven three, you know, power forward slash center in Chet Holmgren. Then you have a Jalen a Jalen Williams who came from Santa Clara. He's also a, a, a very good defensive player. So they have these real, really good four players, and they have some, you know, uh, 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 they have some uh, bench players that are also pretty functional as well. Uh, Isaiah Joe and, and 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 others that just they, they 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 do very very well together. And and what's really really alarming for the NBA is they're doing this with no veterans on that team. And there's they remind me of the 2014, 2013, 2014 Golden State Warriors, where the Golden State Warriors were up and coming team. Everybody saw the, the young talent that they had, and these guys are the closest thing to what I saw back then in 2014 and up and coming Warriors. And this team is here now, and I think they're going to compete, you know, potentially, you know, in the playoffs for sure. I don't know if they'll be in the championship, but like we we talked about with the Jaguars learning how to win, you know, I think this is the year where the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to be learning how to win and how to progress in the playoffs and what they have to scheme in order to be successful. 
this is their year to, to learn that. And I would say within the next two to three years, they're definitely going to be, uh, be competing for a championship without, uh, you know, barring any significant injury to any of their star players. Well, that makes perfect sense, brother. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be shocked that the NBA looks at the two big things there to start a rivalry or try to get one going. It's always good for marketing. One thing you got to give the NBA credit Absolutely. for great marketers. Uh, yeah. You know, so who knows? But that sounds good. I, you know, you make uh, basketball uh, where I want to watch it. To me, it's still too early, but I'll probably uh, uh, catch a game here or there. All right, let's get back to the NFL and some quick, everybody says this. Every podcast, every uh, uh, lightning round. What are your thoughts on Josh Dobbs? Oh man, what a story that! I mean, remember we talked weeks ago, and I actually was questioning you on your rankings of where you put the Minnesota Vikings, and this was right after Kirk Cousins got hurt. And you're like, oh, there's no way, you know, there's not going to going to come back. I'm like, man, this this team's got talent, you know. Of course, they had Jefferson on IR; he's coming back, but they've been winning since with this Joshua Dobbs. This guy, Joshua Dobbs, is making a name for himself. And I even said it back then that he was going to make a name for himself. And he has made a name for himself. So much that the the NFL, you know, coaches are coming, you know, looking out for him after the game to just to congratulate his performances. You know, this guy, I don't know if you know this story, but this guy's like a aeronautical engineering degree, right? Okay. And this guy, yeah, he's like a really smart kid. And, you know, he just, he now has his shot. And this is his time to shine. And he's actually doing it, which is awesome. I love this story. You know, he's just, he's an only child and, uh, and, and you know, and, and he just, you know, flourished in, in, in school. He was one of these kids that just studied a lot and put the time and effort into studying. And, and it shows in, in, in being able to, you know, absorb a playbook with only four or five days worth of practice time coming to a new team. And this team, he's, he, like I said, he didn't even know his players' names. And now he's flourishing, which is great. So, you know, unfortunately, you know, he plays on a team where Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins is actually the quarterback. And he's probably going to still be, be the quarterback next year. But this guy's on – he's definitely auditioning for a position as a starter or, or a good backup for another team uh, next season if he's not going to stay with the Minnesota Vikings. So I, actually, I love this story. Actually, Kirk Cousins is on his way out. This is his final season. So he's, he's pretty much a free agent, if I remember correctly. So, uh, I, you know, I don't know if Joshua Jobs is there. He's got this whole rest of the season to prove he can start in the NFL. Uh, uh, he's had his rounds on many teams, and he's a great story. Uh, and I don't know. I'm asking. Well, why did the, the – the, the, was it the Titans or the Ravens? No, no, the Titans. No, the Titans. The Titans had him first, and they had the Cardinals had him. Yeah, Cardinals. but that's what I'm saying. Why did the Titans let him go? Then why did the Cardinals? Well, Cardinals had uh, Kyler Murray. Kyler well, Murray, he yeah. There, he'd be a great backup. So, so that's the one question on him. So, uh, uh, I want to see it all out because I'm rooting for him. He's fun to watch and fun to root for. Uh, but at the end of the day, when you get back to the quarterback uh, position and analyzing it, I'm like, you need some more time, some more tape. You know, uh, right. and I'm not, I'm not one of these pro guys, but you can see how a person grows. All right, uh, hey. The Steelers finally fire Matt Canada. Oh, yeah, the offensive coordinator. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, uh, Kenny Pickett, it, it was a shocker if you saw his stats uh, over 200 yards in a game. I mean, he was just that bad, that team statistically. Uh, and it, it was it was one of those, the pigskin gods are looking at you. 
because you're like, you guys are six and three. You have no business being six and three. Right. And you look at that team statistically. And uh, I think it was a good move. I don't know if it'll get better because I don't know what they have in Kenny Pickett. Was the offense that bad? Because then I saw some of the route trees. And some of the route trees uh, per the analyst there because uh, he, he was explaining why they were bad. But, you know, we'll see how they do. But I think it was a long time coming. They got to see, was it the play calling that bad or is Kenny Pickett just not an NFL caliber coach? And that's what we're going to find out with them, you know? Any yep. thoughts, final yep. thoughts on that? No, I mean, you know, you know, they they win ugly. And we talked about that earlier in the segment when we were talking about the Cleveland Browns. The Pittsburgh Steelers win ugly. And they they need to win that way because they're just about a talent. I mean, they do. They ha- they don't have the, the – I mean, they thought Kenny Pickett would be their the next, you know, their next quarterback. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because of Kenny Pickett or because of, of Canada being the office of coordinator. We will soon find out. But they have, you know, Najee Harris, who is highly uh, drafted. You know, he's – He's kind of pedestrian running back, in my opinion. He reminds me a lot of Trent Richardson, honestly. And then you have Jalen Warren, who's actually probably emerged as probably the number one running back, yeah, you know, yeah. soon, because he's definitely been play, playing a lot better than him. And then you got, you know, this this George Pickens is, is a really good wide receiver. They have a talent in that guy. And, of course, Deontay Johnson is a great, you know, uh, wide receiver as well, but he's just always getting hurt. And then Pat Freermuth is their tight end. So they have some talent, but I, it just remains to be seen whether it's elite or not, because we don't know if this guy Canada was probably the issue or if Kenny Pickett's the issue. That is, you know, we'll find out. All right, all right. Deshaun Watson done for the year. <clears throat> he had soldiers. He finally had a shoulder surgery. Hopes to recover. Hopes to come back. This is year two. Yeah. It's kind of like he yeah. just took their money and ran. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is a problem with guaranteed contracts and why sports shouldn't have it. And it's not that I disagree with players. It's I look at the reality of it from a business. But they got a great deal with the players' union and the teams in the league. Uh, but he's done for the year. Guaranteed money. Uh, two years. Two years he's getting guaranteed money without really playing that much. Yeah, yeah. Without <laughs> actually he, performing. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Without performing at a level of that guaranteed contract. Yeah, he was brought in to take that team to the Super Bowl. Bottom line, that, that's his job. You know, and now it's coming to bite them in the butt. Look, at the end of the day, he's still young enough. He can come back. Yeah, for and sure. I'm not sure he wants to, can't, has the skills or what. But the simple truth is, he's got the offseason to heal. And uh, we'll see how he looks at uh, uh, during offseason training camp. And uh uh, training camp itself next year, but I don't have high hopes. Uh, uh, in church, we're going to get the Deshaun Watson to the Houston Texans, and if they don't get that, they're losing money on this deal. Alrighty, and the final topic, there's more topics to talk about, but we're running out of time, and Eddie, uh, I think what we're going to do is make the MVP race a little five-minute topic every week where we talk about that, so uh, who's moving up, who's moving down, and we'll start that after the Thanksgiving holidays, because sure. people... That's a topic that Eddie, you know, it's, it's like I feel somebody mug me. Uh, <laughs> I have a favor. <laughs> well, you know, I'll just give you a little, I'll give you a little precursor without revealing the names. But we all know that the NFL MVP is typically typically awarded to a quarterback that is on a winning team, a team that's playoff bound. And there's there have been some exceptions to that rule in the past where a running back gets it, defensive player gets it. But the reasons that these guys don't get it is because the quarterback is the most, you know, important position uh, in the game, you know, for, uh, of the NFL. 
So it ta- it would have to take a running back to have like two thousand yard you know running backs, uh, two thousand yards running or rushing, and then you know combined with maybe twenty touchdowns or a wide receiver getting nearly two hundred receptions, you know nearly two thousand yards with maybe fifteen to twenty touchdowns. I mean something like that is where it's going to be like the, where the the committee has to say okay yeah. that makes sense yeah. to give it to somebody else, right? So but it doesn't happen too often. So it's it's, it's the quarterback it's the position. Against. It's the glamour it position. What, yep. It's, it's yep. all so. America. So I mean, that 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 sums it up in that sense. Uh, and, but there's, yep. but you know, and, and even within the QB circles, what's the last time you heard of a rookie quarterback being in the talk? It's still early, but you know, For sure, uh, he's For sure. In the talk, you know. But, so, hey, but if CJ Stroud continues this way, he might be in there, right? You never know. We'll find right. out. And, but Next real week. quick, uh, Zach Wilson benched. Yep. Thoughts, real quick. Any thoughts? No, I mean, you know, I would say that I think the Jets fans were probably wanting (laughs) this to happen. You know, that they're probably the ones who forced the hand of the management there to make a change because they had been complaining about him for quite some time. The kid has talent. He just needs the right infrastructure. He's the right coach to be able to believe in him. And I think Sala definitely was trying to do that. He just, they don't have an offensive coordinator, I think, who can definitely take them to that next level. You know, Aaron Rodgers has all the experience in the world. He knows how to call play, play, plays himself, so he knows how to run an offense. But, you know, this guy doesn't know how to do that. He's dependent on an offensive coordinator to help him, you know, uh, manage a game. So, you know, exactly. it's unfortunate. Exactly. But, you know, the kid's young enough and talented enough that if it, if he can't find a job at the at, at the Jets, he could probably find a job somewhere else and be a backup at the very least and then hopefully get, get a starting position at some point in the future. Yeah. Nathaniel Hackett is just not a good offense coordinator. He doesn't have a great record neither when you break it down and analyze it and put it in the proper context. And uh, he's terrible. And people, (laughs) (laughs) we will leave it at that. Eddie, as always, it's uh, uh, great to see you. We'll do it again next week. All right, General. we're, we're doing this enough to where we're getting the feel of the topics we like, you know. Uh, uh, the cool thing about talking basketball is, unlike football where they have helmets, you kind of seem it, – it, it's like I feel I would know these guys better because I can see them versus football players who never see the helmet. Right. Yeah. But overall, another great show, sir. And to remind everybody – uh, please visit us at grumblingsmedia.com where you can find this podcast. You can also find us under Grumblings Media at Rumble and YouTube. And for the traditional podcast listeners, there's Apple, Google, Spotify, and Pandora. Eddie, it's always a pleasure. Absolutely. Hey, and Guillermo, feliz dia de gracias uh, oh, yeah. a ti and su familia. And that's, you know, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Uh, for those of you who don't speak <laughs> you too, brother. You too. You know. Right on, brother. And uh, until next time, everybody. This is William and Eddie for points on the board. Good night. Peace out. Good night.